Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello once again. Happy Friday. I'm Josh Raymond. This is The Inner Life. So do you have a favorite room in your home? Whatever room that you like to spend the most time in when you can. Maybe it's your bedroom, being able to just relax in bed at the end of the day or not wanting to get up out of bed at the beginning of the day. Is it a room with windows? It lets you see outside, see the nature animals, uh, I suppose depends on where you live. If you're in the middle of the city, maybe you only see pigeons or squirrels or something running around out there. Is it a room with a fireplace? And on cold days, you can sit by the fire, read a book, maybe talk with someone in your family, or is it your kitchen where your family gathers together to cook, to eat meals? I've had favorite rooms, different ones in different houses, depending on where we lived. One house that my wife and I, we owned early in our marriage, it had a garage that had been converted into a den, and that was my favorite room in that house. Another house that we owned had a sunroom or a three-season room, windows on three sides, and it was uh, joined against the back of our house. And when you had the windows open, you felt like you were outside, but You had the benefit of those screens on the windows that kept the mosquitoes from attacking you. But when I was growing up, the house that my mom and dad bought when I was nine, that house had a a very unique room, and it was my favorite. My dad, he loved to read books. He had thousands of books. In fact, when he and my mom got married, my mom told me this. She said that my dad said to her, if you ever throw away any books, that's grounds for divorce. Uh, Of course, he was joking. It was just his way of humorously making the point that books were important to him, and he wanted to be able to hold on to them, revisit them if he wanted to at some point in the future. So this house that we moved into when I was nine, it had a finished basement with three bedrooms down there in the basement, and my dad transformed one of them into a library. He built all of his own shelves. He was out in the garage doing that. I don't know. I don't remember how many days or weeks he was doing that, but, you know, building them, staining them, finishing them, and then mounted them on the walls running from floor to ceiling. And three of the four walls of this bedroom that he converted had those kinds of bookshelves on them. And my parents had enough books to fill all of the shelves there, too. Everything from classic novels Uh, literature to mysteries and thrillers. There were shelves full of dog-eared paperback science fiction books. There were biographies and nonfiction books about U.S. and world history. We had an outdated collection of all the volumes of an encyclopedia. There was a big section that had books on religion and Christianity. There were a couple shelves that I had where I, I had my books, the ones that I would read when I was young. 
And there was even this long shelf that had, I don't know how many years worth of back issues of National Geographic magazines. And my dad, he finished off the library by putting up some dark green patterned wallpaper on that one remaining wall that didn't have any shelves. This was back when wallpaper was still extremely popular. A little past the era of shag carpets, but wallpaper, that was still that was still popular. Waterbeds were still in vogue at the time. Well, so finally my dad, he put a desk in the library at one end of the room. And at the other end, he had this cozy, dark green upholstered swivel rocking chair, and it had a side table next to it. And this was my favorite room in our house as I grew up. It was a quiet room, and it seemed filled with all kinds of possibilities. I kind of just felt smarter being in that room. There was the, the potential to learn so much from what was contained along the walls of that library. All of those books, they could introduce me to new ideas, new concepts, even new worlds. Well, we have that same kind of opportunity in our faith lives. We can step into the library that the church has assembled for us, 73 books. They can open up new ideas, new concepts. These books can bring us to a deeper knowledge and a better understanding of what we believe. But more importantly, this library that we call the Bible, it's a wonderful way to get to know Jesus better, to grow in your relationship with him. And as followers of, of Christ, this, after all, is the most important thing that we can do. Today is the Feast of St. Jerome, one of the greatest scripture scholars of all time. And we want to spend this hour of the inner life discussing how we can grow in our love and our knowledge of the Bible so that, in turn, we can grow in our love for and our knowledge of Christ. And joining us is our spiritual director here on The Inner Life, Father Dave Heaney is back with us once again. Father Dave is a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. He's the pastor of St. Bruno's Catholic Church in Whittier, California. And if you'd like to get his book, his latest book, it's called Luke 10 Leadership, How to Succeed in Parish Ministry, and that's available through Ave Maria Press. Father Dave, welcome back to The Inner Life. Always good to have you here on the show. Thank you, Josh. Great to be with you again. Well, so, Father, St. Jerome, it's his feast today, and as I mentioned, uh, one of the most famous uh, Scripture scholars. But before we get into Scripture itself, can you just tell us a little about the life of St. Jerome? Uh, St. Jerome is very important in the history of the Church. He lived around the year 400, you know, a couple of decades before and decades after. He's a convert to Catholicism, but he was a linguist, and he was fascinated by language, and he he spoke several languages, and he had a great understanding of uh, the role of language in communication. And it was his desire to make sure that the Word of God could be understood by as many people as possible. And by that time, <clears throat> uh, you know, most, most Catholics didn't speak Hebrew or Greek anymore. They spoke Latin. So he did a great service to the Church by taking these ancient scriptures written in Hebrew and Greek and translating them into the language that people could read and understand. So he wrote the first uh, large Bible, Old and New Testament, in Latin, and it was called the Vulgate, which sounds like a, you know, a vulgar term, but actually that simply meant uh, of the people, of the common people. Uh, and so, uh, and it was the standard for the church for, for many, many centuries, really almost into the modern era, 
the Council of Trent later on made it kind of normative. So it was the standard Bible for Catholics for many, many centuries, really into the, into the modern era, uh, in which we have really better translations based on our understanding of ancient cultures and, and language. But uh, St. Jerome, really, he was the Bible for, you know, almost most of our history. Well, and then having the English Bible, my understanding, there's a, a number of different translations we have. Right. But kind of the, the familiar one that I think a lot of our older listeners would recognize is the Douay Reims, which I believe that was translated directly from the Vulgate, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was translated because, again, the Vulgate was the normative Bible. So if you were going to translate it into uh, French or German or something else, it, it, it came from that Latin translation. So everything came from that until, and really until the modern era. So, for instance, in Mass today, we use a translation called the New American Bible Revised Edition, which is, you know, far superior than what Jerome had because we have much more understanding than Jerome possibly could have had of the ancient writing style. So the Bible that we have today that we use in Mass is, is really probably the best ever, but we are grateful for the service of St. Jerome uh, and the Bible that he made accessible to so many people uh, for so many centuries. Now, I, I also understand that St. Jerome, if I remember correctly, I might mm-hmm. be mixing him some, up with somebody else, uh, but I think he had quite a temper on him, didn't he? He's, he, <laughs> he did. Probably best to stay away from him in the morning, I think. Uh, <laughs> okay. He, uh, <clears throat> you know, he was a scholar. He was kind of holed up in his room. Uh, he, he, he moved to Bethlehem for some time to kind of get closer to the, to the Holy Land culture. And, and the room that he used <clears throat> in Bethlehem is still available. In fact, it's a chapel now. And I go there every year on an archaeological pilgrimage, and we say Mass in the St. Jerome Chapel. It's quite uh, meaningful. Uh, but he did have—he was known for being irascible, for being, you know, kind of short-tempered. So uh, we're grateful for his writing, maybe not his conversations. Right, right. Well, he's still a saint, <laughs> which yep. gives any of us that might have uh, a short fuse. It gives right. all of us hope. So, well, so Father, let's uh, let's talk about Scripture, about the Bible, and as we begin to talk about it, maybe uh, we can talk about what it is and what it is not. You know, there's this <clears throat> deep. Uh, Protestant kind of thinking, you know, I mean, we, we had that be part of our American culture in the founding of our country. So many people that were Puritans or, you know, came from uh, a background that was not Catholic. So I think especially in our American culture, we have this ideology or this view that everything that a Christian believes you should be able to point to a chapter and a verse in the Bible to show that it really is part of Christian theology. But this becomes problematic on a few different fronts. Can you explain why we don't necessarily need to find everything that we believe explicitly spelled out in Scripture? Yeah, that is a classic uh, comment that people make. You know, where is that in the Bible? Show me in the Bible where it says this or that. And actually, for the first several hundred years of the Church— you couldn't ask that question because there was no Bible. There might have been a book here. This church might have had a gospel and an epistle. This church over here might have had only a couple of epistles or nothing. So the Bible as, it, the, Bible as the Bible that we know it today didn't come into existence until, you know, in the 350s. Uh, 
you know, 250 years after Jesus. So for the first several centuries of the church, there was only the teaching of the apostles, the oral tradition. Some of it got written down and some of it just remained spoken. So our faith is founded on both. It's founded on the faith that was transmitted for the first several hundred years. And then after several hundred years, when it got written down, uh, then that joined the tradition. <clears throat> so now we have those two pillars, scripture and tradition. So, you know, not everything that Jesus said was written, uh, was written down, and not everything that was written down made it into the scriptures. Right. There are a number of gospels and epistles that were written that didn't make it into the, uh, into the Bible. And so who made that decision? The bishops, because the bishops are the leaders of the church and its successors to the apostles. So the Bible came from the church. It actually came from the teaching of the apostles, which is why to this day they have the authority and the right to interpret what they mean. So we, we have these two traditions, scripture and tradition, and tradition is older, by several hundred years, older than the tradition. hope that keeping those ideas separate is important. Yeah, well, I, you know, even as you're talking about this too, that the tradition preceded the, the scripture, um, you know, we would have had the Old Testament, but none of the New Testament, like you say, came to be compiled with the Old Testament scriptures for those first few hundred years. It's also important to remember, too, that we live in a world, and it's so easy to think, well, why didn't people just read the Bible for themselves? We didn't have a printing press for the mm -hmm. first 1,500 years of Christianity, and so, uh, you know, just being able to own any book, let alone a collection of books that becomes the Bible, it's extremely expensive. Um, there also wouldn't have been the same sort of literacy rate in the world uh, in those early centuries of Christianity. So there's yeah. a lot of practical uh, issues that just don't lend itself to the way that Scripture is used today in a contemporary kind of post-Christian world um, that, we, that we see where everybody can have their own copy of the Bible, and some people have many, many copies of the Bible that they can look at different translations. And, and so I think it's good to keep that in mind as well, that, you know, just historically, it, it doesn't even make sense that you would say, show me where it says that in the Bible. You know, three quarters of Christianity couldn't have done that. But when I do speak to non-Catholic Christians, and I say, well, it's not necessary to show everything that we believe in Scripture, uh, that the Bible doesn't, it, it, it doesn't contain the entire deposit of faith, and it never actually claims to do that. But if I say something along those lines, then there's this perception that the Catholic Church disregards Scripture, or it doesn't hold it up as infallible, as the inspired Word of God. And I, I, would, I would have had the same sort of response before I was Catholic, but this becomes this kind of logical fallacy, a, a bit of a false dichotomy, that you have to either, you know, it's either you believe that the Bible is inspired by God, and then it has to inform us of everything regarding anything dealing with faith and morals, or if it doesn't inform us about everything related to faith and morals, then that means you don't believe it's the inspired Word of God. But those two options are not, they're not the only two on the table. Yeah, and, you know, just look at the way Catholics treat the Gospels at Mass. You know, we stand, we have a special song that precedes reading the Gospel. Often there's a kind of a, a majestic procession from taking the Gospel book from one part of the altar to the other, holding it up. Uh, when the bishop reads it, he kind of turns to the 
you know, the different sides and shows the book, you know, we, we just reverence the Gospels in such a powerful way. And that shows just, you know, that's the place of the Word of God in our faith. It's not a small thing. We reverence it deeply uh, and, uh, and regard it. So, you know, again, Catholics, you know, there was a time when uh, we kind of emphasized liturgy and worship and sacraments more than the scriptures. But I think the Vatican Council really kind of opened up the church to really, you know, renewing our value and our, and our uh, focus and our analysis and our study of the scriptures in a very profound way. So we're grateful for that. Well, and that kind of, uh, you know, it, it, looking at St. Jerome and what he gave to the church by translating... <clears throat> the Bible into mm-hmm. Latin so that it was in the common tongue, the common language of the church. Uh, you know, what you're talking about there, that emphasis on learning, learning, studying, being familiar with Scripture, ties in really nicely with one of St. Jerome's famous quotes, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance yeah. of Christ. And maybe we can discuss, you know, how important this really is, because as, at least for me as a married man, it's so easy to take different principles of faith and say, how do I apply that to myself? So if I look and, and say, well, my wife, when she and I were dating, if she had sent me letters that gave me more insights into her thoughts, hopes, dreams, her humor, her personality, and then I just made a box where I kept all those letters, but I never read them, I'd really be missing out on a dimension of knowing her better. And on top of that, she would have been saddened that there's so much of herself poured into those letters, but I never took the time to read them. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I read the scriptures, uh, I, don't take them for, I, I don't take them for granted. But one of the thoughts that always I come to mind when I pick it up is I say, this book is 2,000, or the, these words, these ideas are 2,000 years old. And this is an insight into the early church. These are people writing about their experience of our Lord. How good is that and how important that is. So I, I read them slowly. I, I read a sentence. I stop. You know, what have I just read? What, is, what do I think it means? Uh, and then I feel like I'm really connecting not only with the author, but, the, but, but what the author wanted to tell me about our Lord. And so, uh, you know, I read the newspaper quickly. I read a novel quickly. I read books quickly. I read the scriptures slowly because of, of what they are about who is writing it and who is and who that author is writing about kind of lead me to reverence it and to pause and to not take it for granted and not to rush through it but to really ponder uh, slowly what each one is and i think that that i think that's in the spirit of saint jerome in which we by reading it in that way we encounter that helps us encounter christ in a better way yeah i i also wanted to go back to what you said you know 2000 <clears throat> years old, the writings that we're reading. And some of them are probably more around even 3,500 to 4,000 years old. Um, oh, yeah. Because we have the Old Testament scriptures. And, you know, that's one of those things that I think is really important to remember. If you're talking with somebody and they question, you know, well, why would you believe the Bible? You know, why, why would you say that the Bible really is the inspired Word of God? And to have... Uh, you know, all of these books that we're looking at here where we, you know, there's over 70 books that are all written by different people in different languages, in different states of 
you know, education or employment um, written over a span of, yeah, you know, probably about 1,500 to 2,000 years. And they all speak harmoniously about who God is. They all complement each other. You can see the Old Testament revealed in the New Testament. You, you see the prefigurements that are concealed in the Old Testament about the New Testament. And I remember hearing somebody say, if you tried to do that with almost any other collection of writings— and didn't even do it over the span of a couple thousand years. Let's say you just went and and took writings in some field over the last 20 or 30 years. And instead of taking over 70 books or 70 different you know, published writings, you only took 10 or maybe 15 from different authors from different countries. Almost any science, almost any uh, you know, research area, any sort of philosophy— you would never have that convergence that's so harmonious that you get in the Scripture. And just that, from a practical standpoint, gives so much support to how we can look and say, this really does show us that God has given us this, this wonderful uh, inspired gift from Him that you know the Scripture itself says is God-breathed. I think that is a fascinating point, and I'm glad you brought it up. It really is fascinating. And I, I liked your monologue at the beginning of the program talking about uh, the, the room with all the books in it. I have a room like that myself, <clears throat> and I have all kinds of different books, science books and history books and religion books. Um, you know, the Bible is itself a library. It has histories, dramas, poems. It has a novel, a fiction story, the story of Job. Uh, and yet what's amazing that even though these sto- these very, very different types of writing, uh, all written in an ancient writing style, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and written over a period of several thousand years, you're right, all kind of coalesce around a common theme. And the common theme in the Old Testament and the New Testament is the unconditional love of God, that all of the stories all tend to point to the same idea that for some reason God loves us. Despite the Old Testament stories of, you know, coming to God and falling away and, you know, worshiping idols and kind of doing all kinds of bad things and uh, and then our Lord coming in the New Testament, you know, this idea that even God would come to planet Earth, to come to us despite our sinfulness. The, but the entire Bible has this kind of coalescing around this simple story of the unconditional love of God written in an ancient writing style by many, many different authors writing over periods of thousands of years, all collected in one place uh, to give us the most important message that we need to hear, and that's God's unconditional love. Mm. It's an amazing story. It really is. Uh, Father Dave Heaney is our spiritual director on The Inner Life today, and I want to open up the phone lines, invite you into the conversation, <clears throat> and our phone number here, 888-914-9149. What has helped you? to spend more time in reading the Bible? What has sparked that love of Scripture in your own life? And how has reading the Bible helped you 
to know and to love God even more, to see and understand how God has that unconditional love for you. We'd love to hear your story. Maybe you have a question about the Bible. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Dave. 888-914-9149 is our phone number, 888-914-9149. You can email us, relevantradio.com, and our conversation continues in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive hundreds of your phone calls every day, all thanks to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line. Our sponsor offers flexible life insurance and annuities. Visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester today, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. To the inner life. I'm Josh Raymond. I'm speaking today with Father Dave Heaney and would love to have you call in and join the conversation here as we talk about falling in love with the scriptures, how we can understand and read the Bible better so that we grow in our relationship with God, grow in our relationship with Christ. And our phone number here, 888-914-9149. Maybe you have a question about the Bible, or we'd love to hear how you've been able to incorporate reading more scripture in your life and how it has helped you, how it has allowed you to grow in your relationship with God. 888-914-9149. Father Dave, before the break, one of the things you mentioned was we read the Bible differently than we might read other things, a newspaper, a novel, you know, something like that. And you, you also talked about, you know, the, the fact that these different books, while they have different authors at different points in history, well, they're also writing to a different audience. And it might be good just to talk for a moment here about how we can understand Scripture mm-hmm both historically, but as it's speaking to us now. You know, it's, it's always good to know something about the original audience to whom that letter or that book was written. That gives us that context and, and a better knowledge of why certain things might be um, said to that person or that group that is the primary audience. But then taking what we read and being able to reflect on it, can you give us a little insight as to how we can, we can have that historical, contextual approach, and at the same time, when we read Scripture, be able to hear what God really is saying to us here and now. Sure. Well, you know, if you're writing a letter to a friend, you're going to be thinking about that friend before you even start writing. What does my friend need to hear? How can I help this person? What does this person uh, need in their life? And then that helps guide you what you write to them. If you're writing to your child, maybe they're in school, away from you, and or writing to a, a, you know, a, a fiance or a relative or, or someone that you care about. What's guiding what you write is your love for that person. And all of the Bible stories, all of the Bible books were written by authors to a community that they loved. They had an insight from God. They, had, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write either the history of the Israelite people going through the desert or remembering a story of Jesus that the people of Luke's community needed to hear. So what was guiding them was their love for their people. Um, And so knowing what their people were going through, knowing what was going on, helps you understand um, the passage. So 
you know, for instance, we think that Luke was writing to a community that was very wealthy and very rich. And that's why Luke's gospel has so many stories about the poor, about helping the poor, because Luke is trying to tell his rich people to, you know, share their resources with those who are in need. And it kind of helps put in context, you know, why is this story in this gospel of Luke? Because Luke loved his people and he wanted them to experience Christ in a powerful way through almsgiving and through helping. Um, So, uh, you know, you read the newspaper very quickly just for facts, just for information. You read a novel slowly to get the atmosphere, the scene, you know, what's going on in this drama. Um, In the scriptures, you really kind of think of them as a love letter, that they are written by an author who's inspired by God to give God's wisdom to the people that he's, he's writing to. The Old Testament mostly was giving hope. You know, so many things were going wrong. The Babylonians came and enslaved them, and the Assyrians came and took them into slavery, and they had this problem and that problem. And many of the Old Testament writers are writing by saying, look, no matter how bad we are, no matter how sinful we are, God still loves us, that unconditional love of God. So I think um, the the main way to read the scriptures is that these these are written out of love for God and love for a community and trying to uh, communicate that love to the people they're writing to. Hope that helps. Yeah, I, I you know, and I, I want to get to the phones here, Father, but maybe we can pick up on that in a minute to hear, um, you know, some, I, I think there are some really beautiful portions of the Bible that might be lesser known to so many people. And maybe we can talk about some of the ways that God communicates in them. And, and even just, I, I'd be curious as to some of your favorite pl- uh, passages in the Bible, but I uh, want to throw out the phone number, phone number again, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father, we've got Mary who's calling in from Long Beach, California. Hi, Mary. Welcome to The Inner Life. Hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. Are you there? Can yes, I, go right ahead. Go ahead, Mary. Oh, okay. Um, I uh, have just joined a Bible study, community Bible study. Apparently, it's an international group, and a real good friend of mine is leading it. Um, And it's uh, a group of women, and they're all Protestant. I think I'm the only Catholic that's that's joined it, and I actually said I'm a practicing Catholic. And they said, oh, this is non-denominational, and we don't need to know or care what faith you belong to. Um, and we're studying the book of Job, which, of course, is, is an interesting book. But as I sit there and listen, this is just a bunch of women giving their opinion of the scriptures. And I guess going back to my tradition, um, I'm used to, I did Jeff Caven's Adventure Bible Study, and I loved it because I got to do my thinking. But then Jeff Caven did this great tape on on you know, what was really going on. And so I guess my question is, this is a group of, of women who are just coming up with their own in- interpretation and as a Catholic. Should I be concerned about what these interpretations are? Be- and are they going to match what, what the magisterium says to me about uh, how we interpret these things? Thank you, that Mary. That's a, a legitimate, for- that's a legitimate question and a very good concern. Of course, there's nothing wrong with people gathering together and reading the scriptures and then sharing their ideas about them. That's a perfectly fine way to uh, talk about the scriptures. And, and hearing what other people say can sometimes hone your own thinking about them. But these are, again, personal opinions. Uh, in, the, in Catholicism, we have the authoritative interpretation of the, of the Bible 
coming from the teaching magisterium, as you said. And I've seen that Jeff Caven's tape on uh, The Great Adventure, and it's it's outstanding. It's one of the best I've seen because it covers both the Old and New Testament in one sweep. But uh, there's nothing wrong with people offering ideas, so you, you can feel comfortable being there. But if it comes down to, and you might find that two or three women kind of disagree about a passage, that's very common. And that's why the presence of the church is so important, because if there is a disagreement about a verse or a meaning of a passage, we do have the authority of the bishops to understand what that means. And that's largely expressed in the teachings that are written down in the catechism. Um, And this is what's kept the church unified, really, over all these years. Uh, You know, there's 25 to 30,000 different Protestant denominations, because every time a denomination comes up with a different passage, meaning they have to form their own church. There's nothing, there's no Protestant Pope kind of keeping everything together. So we're grateful for the bishops, for the teaching authority that they give us. But also, you can feel free to kind of sit around and and share opinions, personal opinions about what the passages mean uh, with the people in your Bible study. That's fine. But we're lucky in the Catholic Church that we have, at the end of the day, we have an authority that tells us what these passages mean. Hope that helps, Mary. Yeah, good question. Thanks for calling in, Mary. And, you know, one of the other things that comes to mind here, too, as you're answering Mary's question, there are places that it is absolutely fine, as long as you don't, you know, fall into areas of heresy, to have different interpretations or understandings of what might be said. There are other places in the Bible where, sorry, there's really only one way you can take this. Yeah. And when that, that kind of goes back to that old saying, I think it's usually attributed to St. Augustine that we have uh, unity in the essentials, liberty in the non-essentials, but in all things love. And that just means we have to know what are the essential parts of our faith. What are the things that we can't have maybe a little more latitude or liberty in uh, our own personal take, our own interpretation of something. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we can all have, you know, different poetic understandings of, you know, the parable of the lost sheep. But when uh, when Jesus says to Peter, you are Peter, and upon this rock I found my church, you know, that's our understanding of the of the Pope. And, you know, that's an essential that we agree on. We can just, we can have different views stretching on the story of the lost sheep. Uh, Father, so let's talk about some of the other places in the Bible. Um, You know, you mentioned that there are places where it's the writings are trying to communicate to us God's love. And Mm. there are some of these places that they might not be very well known. One One of the books, it's one of the Old Testament prophets. It falls in that minor prophets category. I've always loved the story of Hosea because it shows God's love and willingness to forgive and start again. And if, if, you know, somebody, if you're listening and you're not familiar with it, um, you know, you really have to kind of understand what's happening before you dive in. But Hosea is this prophet that's called by God to marry a woman who is a prostitute. And she keeps on going and wandering back to her life of prostitution, infidelity, and Hosea quietly goes back, and if she's in trouble, he rescues her, he takes her back home, 
And it's really just showing God's love and patience with the nation of Israel. And then we can take that and, of course, apply it into the fulfillment of God's promises and his covenant through Christ and all of us as the body of Christ. Um, But, you know, there are so many different little sections of the scriptures like this where I think we don't necessarily hear them spoken about the same way that we do with a lot of the other stories that we have, especially in the Gospels. You know, it's so easy to be familiar with the Gospels because we spend so much time focused on them through the liturgical year, but so much richness in other places. Any sections, any passages or books that really stand out to you as your favorites? Almost entirely New Testament, because like you say, it's much easier and much more uh, understandable. Uh, Remember, the Old Testament and the New Testament have the exact same message. But the Old Testament just requires a lot more historical knowledge, and it's written in a much more ancient writing style, so it's sometimes harder to grasp. But you picked a great one in Hosea because uh, it is this beautiful story of reconciliation. And of course, every time in in the Old Testament when someone does something wrong and bad things happen, like, you know, a wife leaving or... That's always a symbol of the Israelites themselves who were falling away from God, and yet God always welcomes them back in an amazing way. I have uh, a number of, my favorite three verses are John 10.10 and John 15.11, because they say kind of the same thing. And they begin in a beautiful way because they describe, this is, these are the words of Jesus saying why he bothered to come to planet Earth, why he came. That's an important idea. So in John 10.10, he says, I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. And John 15.11 I have come to bring you joy, and joy that is complete. So a full life and joy. I mean, how good is that? That's the purpose for why our Lord came. And so, if we, I think just, I just think it's important to start each day with those verses, just to remind you, you know, what's going on here. And then my favorite story is the same story that I think was John Paul II's favorite story, which is the story of the rich young man in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, chapter 10, 17, where the rich young man says, how do I get to heaven? Jesus explains it. The guy says, thank you, but no thank you, and walks away. And Jesus respects his intelligence, respects his freedom, and lets him go. Now, a lot of scholars think that that rich young man in the Gospel of Mark who walked away actually was Mark, and at one point came back and uh, wrote his own story uh, in the Gospel. So, Jesus respects our intelligence, he respects our freedom, and very often that means uh, that helps us to return to him with our free will. Those are my favorites. Mm, Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, Speaking with Father Dave Heaney today, he is a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, pastor of St. Bruno's Catholic Church in Whittier, California. It's the Feast of St. Jerome, and he is that well-known, that, that doctor of the church who was a scripture scholar, translated all of the scriptures into Latin there in the early centuries of the church. And we're talking about how we can fall in love with the scriptures. And of course, that leads us to know and to love Christ more. What has helped you to spend more time delving into the Bible? And what sparked that love of scripture in your own life? How has reading the Bible allowed you to know Christ, to love Christ more in your own life. Our phone number here, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Back with more of your phone calls in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 
Welcome back to The Inner Life. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director for the hour today, Father Dave Heaney. Father Dave is the pastor of St. Bruno's Catholic Church in Whittier, California. And if you're interested in reading more from him after the program ends, you can pick up his book. It's called Luke 10 Leadership, How to Succeed in Parish Ministry, and that's through Ave Maria Press. And again, our phone number here, if you'd like to call in and be a part of the program, 888-914-9149. And we're talking about Scripture today here on the Feast of St. Jerome, 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Miss Joy, who's calling in from Las Vegas. Uh, Miss Joy, welcome to The Inner Life. Glad to have you on the air. Oh, good morning, men of God, Joshua and Father Dave. Uh, I lost my only son two years ago this past September 4th, and um, I became very interested in heaven because of it. And I learned where the neighborhood that my son lives in, I said, what could be a greater neighborhood than God's heavenly paradise? Mm. And that took me to praying every day before I get up or an hour on the rosary. Uh, That took me to... um, church more often, and it took me to Bible lessons every week. And yesterday, I finally connected to the word faith, learning that faith is a gift from God. And so that means that I must treasure it. I must never forsake it, because He never forsakes us. And then I learned about an old soul called Enoch. And it took me to know that Enoch was the most faithful servant. Elijah was the most faithful servant. And that says to me, those are the examples of mankind. And our Blessed Mother is the example for all of us who are women. And if we paid attention to those examples, we would be more faithful and more godly. Well said, Miss Joy. You know, you're on a really beautiful spiritual journey, uh, which began, of course, with the tragic death of your son. Of course, our entire faith. Every time you walk into a Catholic church, the largest thing that you're going to see in any Catholic church is the image of a person who died too young, our Lord, who also died um, at a young age. But it's it's brought you to rosary, to mass, to reading the Bible. And those are all exactly the kind of journey that you should be on. And I, it's nice to see that so much wisdom has come to you from it, and that you're deriving so much inspiration from some of the characters in the scriptures, Enoch and, and Elijah especially. So, uh, you're on a very meaningful journey, and I'm just glad it's bringing you uh, so many beautiful spiritual results. So thank you for sharing with that. Yeah, you know, as she was talking to Father, um, I like that she is talking about the things that she's learning and what's helping her to grow closer to God in her mm-hmm. faith. You know, that the faith is a gift. Mm-hmm. These examples of, you know, the... Um, Patriarchs, and of course, our Blessed Mother that she mentioned that we can look to as living examples that we can follow in their footsteps. One of the other things that might be good to talk about, too, is that 
knowing Scripture, you know, Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness by Satan, with each one of those temptations, Jesus responded, responded by quoting Scripture. He knew the Scriptures to such a degree that he wasn't uh, caught off guard or flat-footed by Satan. You know, there was no question for him what was right, what was wrong. There's also, of course, the fact that Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. He's the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe, you know, so there's that to take into account. But I think this does give us an example of how knowing the Bible, being familiar with what the Bible says, it can assist us at least to a degree to somewhat resist temptation in our own lives. Yes, well said. And of course, just the fact that Jesus himself was tempted is very consoling to us. We can understand that temptations themselves are not a sign of anything, or or they're certainly not sinful. Jesus himself was tempted. Uh, But uh, he was able to quote scripture uh, in each one, just like you said. And I think that that means that that comes from a person who's well versed in the scriptures. So by reading them every day, um, you know, as often as you can, very often at a time when you most need it, a scripture verse will come to mind or a Bible story will come to mind. So just like Jesus probably couldn't have anticipated that he was going to be tempted at that moment, Scripture verses came to mind. So that's that's the result of a habit of reading the Scriptures often and frequently, because at a time when you least expect and are not not aware of it, when there's some crisis, um, then all of a sudden Scripture verses or Bible uh, stories will come to mind and give you the wisdom and the consolation that you need. Uh, Father, let's say I'm somebody who is listening, and I really haven't spent much time ever reading the mm-hmm. Bible. I am listening, and I think, well, this does sound good, but where do I start? I, I don't exactly know where I should begin. Uh, are there any good, I guess, first steps that somebody should think about in preparing yeah. to read Scripture, or a particular book of the Bible you might recommend as a starting place in, you know, just beginning to read and learn about what is written in the Bible? I would say the Gospels are the best because they, they're they little mini-movies, if you will. There's dialogue, people are talking to each other, you're following Jesus as he's moving from town to town. It's a little bit easier to read. The epistles appeal to people who like to be taught lessons because that's exactly what they are. They're kind of you know, Paul is teaching or the epistle writing is teaching something. But the Gospels, I think, are much more accessible. Um, they were, uh, because they have these little, little these little dramas, these little vignettes. So I would recommend the Gospels. Mark is the shortest one and the clearest. So I would probably begin with uh, the Gospel of Mark um, and maybe Luke. Uh, John is sometimes hard to understand. But so I would say the Gospel of Mark is the shortest, it's the clearest, it's the simplest. And it has all these beautiful little dramas. So I, I think it's more vivid and easier for someone who's just starting out to yeah. start with. If you're a little uh, further along, one of the things that really, I, I, as you mentioned the Gospel of John, I was thinking, you know, the letter, uh, the first letter of St. John there mm. towards the end of the New Testament is such a complement to his Gospel. And it really takes the story, that mini-movie that you're talking about, and says, okay, now that I understand what has happened, how do I then understand how this applies to me and I live it out? And he gives that practical application of, you you understand who Jesus is, now let's talk about how Jesus transforms you. Yeah. 
The Gospels are the life of Jesus. The epistles are reflections on the life of Jesus from very wise and very spiritual people. We also talked about the historical context of understanding maybe the background of some of the different books. Do you have any suggestions on resources for someone who wants to read the Bible, but maybe they're finding themselves confused or not understanding different sections throughout the scriptures, and they want to make sure that they're coming back with a proper understanding? I think some great resources that are both in written form and on YouTube would be like Father Matt Schmitz. He has a brand new series called Bible in a Year. Supposedly, it's like the largest YouTube audience ever in history or something like that. It's really amazing. Dr. Brant Petrie, P-I-T-R-E, has a great YouTube resource. And of course, our own Patrick Madrid uh, has a number of books on the scriptures. So I think Father Matt Schmitz, Dr. Brant Petrie, Patrick Madrid, Jeff Cavins, who we mentioned before. Right. These are all people who have a lot of written resources. They are also have a lot of YouTube resources. So sometimes that's easier for people to access than sitting down reading a book. Yeah. You know, another one that, that I have used and really appreciated, I have the New Testament. I don't have the Old Testament. I, I know they were working on it. I'm not sure. I think they probably have it out by now. But um, Ignatius Publishing, they have the Ignatius Study Bible. And I've okay. really, really appreciated that. Um, it's almost half the page is filled up with information that gives the historical context, or mm. it might point to something that one of the church fathers or right. um, you know a doctor of the church has written about in regards to what this is saying. So there's a lot of resources there, too. Um, Father, we're getting really short on time here. Uh, Anything else that you think is really important for somebody to know as they look at the Bible? I I mean, I know there's so much more we could go into here, but if there's there's only one other thing that we can communicate, what's that today? I would just say, uh, read it differently than you read anything else, which means to read it slowly, to read a couple of sentences, and then stop and say, what have I just read? What's going on here? So I think that kind of slower, pausing, meditative way of reading the scriptures is is better. Don't read it like you're reading the newspaper or anything else. You know, read it, you know, kind of give it the reverence that it deserves. Beautiful. Father, we got about a minute here. Could I ask you to offer our listeners a blessing as we Absolutely. conclude? Heavenly Father, we thank you for inspiring all of the biblical authors, Old Testament and New Testament. We thank you, especially this day, for inspiring St. Jerome, who made the Bible so accessible to people everywhere. We ask your blessing on all our listeners, especially as they read the scriptures. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, Father Dave, look forward to when we have you back here on The Inner Life. Have a wonderful weekend. And I hope you, listening, have a great weekend, too. Make sure you make it to Mass. And, of course, we want to see you back here on Monday for the next episode of The Inner Life. We're going to be talking about detachment and how we can let go of those things that seem to have a hold on us or maybe we're holding on too tightly. It'll be a good conversation. Hope to talk with you on Monday. Of course, stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next here, followed by The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.